morning. Let's stand this morning. We're going to sing a hymn, an old hymn of the church. Uh, you can find it there on page 240 in your hymn book. Uh, there also, you should have gotten uh, some sheets this morning uh, that will have all the information for worship today uh, out there in the foyer area. We're going to sing, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, I'll Be There.
will you take the next few moments this morning and you just greet those around you during this time before scripture and prayer. Will you do that this morning? Let's welcome each other to church today. We have small technical difficulty, but we're working it out. Well, the microphone was up here, the battery just dead. So I told him to give me this one. I changed the battery to the other one. Does that sound bad? Too bad. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise the Lord. I'm sorry for my voice. If it gets better, it won't work. That better? Ah, oh, there you go. The Lord's been good to me, just taking my voice a little bit, and that's okay. I guess that means I need to be quieter most of the time. So. Uh, this morning I'd like to read from Psalm 108. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise, even with my glory. 
Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reaches unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth, that thy beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand, and answer me. That's 1 through 6 of Psalm 108. Lord, it's good to trust. Uh, I don't ever worry about getting sick. Lord, take care of me. Uh, I don't worry about traveling. Lord, take care of me. Back when I was underwater and I'd either be in the Mediterranean or maybe up in the Arctic or maybe down the Caribbean, it didn't matter. The Lord took care of me, took care of my family, and I didn't worry about it because his promises are real and his promises are true. And it's up to us to sit there and go, hey, we need to follow him and trust in him and believe in him. Uh, Sister Alma is having to travel her uh, nephew, was it? Her grandson, her grandson uh, passed away, and she's having to go to Atlanta. So we asked the Lord to give her some traveling mercies. Lots of people have this creepy crud. Uh, ask the Lord to touch us and be with us and help us to overcome it. You'll hear me sing in bass. You're not going to hear me sing tenor today. I'll guarantee you that. Um, but the Lord's been good to us, and pray the Lord will continue to be good to us. Had a great turnout for Sunday school this morning see some people here that I'm happy to see. My my heart is lifted, okay, because uh, I prayed hard and said, Lord, you know, I really like those people. I'd like to see them come back. So, and they did. So, praise the Lord. Uh, hopefully, I don't run you away. But let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for everything you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for your word and your truth. Lord, we thank you for continuing to abide with us and helping us. This morning as we come before you, there are many that are sick. We pray that you will be with them and keep them, lift them up and strengthen them. Lord, you know the needs in their bodies. You made them. Pray that you will touch them and continue to abide with them. Provide them that which they need to get better. Be with Sister Alma as she travels. Lord, you know the needs. That's a rough road going to Atlanta. I've traveled it many times. I pray you'll be with her. Keep her safe. Keep the idiots out of her way and keep her out of their way pray that you will continue to abide with each of us and help us to do as you would have us to do. Be with the pastor this morning as he says the word that you would have us to hear that we can take your kingdom further. We ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. And they all said, Amen. Amen. We're going to ask the usher if they would come at this time. And we're going to take up this morning's tithes and offerings. And uh, we're going to, uh, during this next song, we're going to ask you to bring up your uh, tithes and offerings to the Lord. We're going to go open up and pray, or pray over the offering really fast, and then we'll jump right in, and then you can bring it. Father, we thank you today, Lord, that we have the ability to come into your house and to worship you and to love you. Lord, one way we can show that is by bringing our tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. So, Lord, we pray that you would bless this offering that we're about to bring into your care. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. You may bring those this morning.
those that had to give. We pray that those that, Lord, didn't have to give, that at some point, Lord, you would bless them to be able to give, Lord, as a token of their appreciation for all that you've done for them. Lord, we pray that you would use this for the furtherance of your kingdom. For that, we praise your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Ushers, you may be dismissed this morning. Let's sing verse 2 to this song again. Oh, he is my song. Let the king, let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sail. Not because I've been so faithful, not because I've been so good. Lord, you've always been there for me to provide my every need. You were there when I was lonely. You were there in all my pain. You've been guiding my footsteps. You've been my shelter from the rain. It was you, oh, that made my life complete, for you are to me my everything, that is why I sing, Jesus, I love you, because you
come at any time and present it to the Lord. But I want to sing this first verse again. I believe someone just needs to be remembered. It's not because I've been so faithful. It's not because I am so good. Lord, you have always been there for me to provide my every need. You were there, Lord, when I was lonely. You were there in all my pain. You have constantly guided my footsteps, sheltered me from rain, and it was you, Lord, that has made my life complete. You are to me my everything, and that is why I sing. Jesus, I love you, oh, because you care, I couldn't imagine.
Father, we worship you this morning. Lord, we love you. We glorify you. We magnify your name. Lord, we know that you are great and greatly to be praised. Oh, Lord, we love you. Lord, in this moment, we ask that you would just be in our midst. God, we have felt your presence in a powerful way already. Lord, we know ultimately when this is all said and done, nothing can be done without your leading of your Holy Spirit. Father, we forever want to make sure that we glorify and magnify the name of the Lord. 
For you are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, we take a moment just to worship you. We are in no hurry. We just want to wait on the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Will you just lift your hands all over the house? Just for the moment, will you tell the Lord how much you love Him today? Singing, I love you, Lord. Singing, I love you, Lord. Singing. Father, we love you today, and we worship you today. Lord, we know some have already come this morning and have poured their heart out before you in this altar, but God, we know that there may be others this morning that need a touch from heaven and need you to do only what you can do today. And so, Father, we thank you that you are a loving Father, a faithful friend, you're Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last, the soon coming King, who was and is and is to come again. God, if that's not enough for us to love you, then, Lord, I don't know what else is. You sent your Son. He died for us when we didn't deserve it. While we still yet were in sin, Christ came and died for us. That should alone make us love you more than anything else in this world. And so today we commit this into your care. Lord, as we get ready to break the bread of life, help us to hear from glory, not hear from a man, not hear from an eloquent speaker, not hear from someone with pervasive words, persuasiveness of speech, let your word be heard by you directing it the way you think it needs to go. For that, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray, and the people of God together said amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 4. I'm going to skip all the preliminaries. You know them. Parents, get your kids out of church. For those online, you can always download the Our Church app. Look for our church name. Go to our website, santicirclecog.org. Don't forget, VVS starts tonight from the time you're born until you don't even remember your name. We have classes for old people, too. We got you all covered. Even if you don't remember who you are, come to church tonight. They'll tell you who you are. We'll get you a name tag, and we'll tell you who you are. We'll have, hello, my name is, and whatever you put, that's what we'll say you are. But please make sure you come. We Dinner starts at 6, and then BBS starts promptly at 7 o'clock. Uh, remember, it's the first night, so if you're bringing children or grandchildren, 
please bring them early, a little bit early to get them registered. Uh, or if you're not, if you're not coming to dinner, if you're coming to dinner, then so be it. But if you're not, uh, please bring them early, only because first night everybody's trying to sign in, get logged in, and all that kind of stuff. And we want to try to stay as punctual as possible and be a respecter of time. We're still in our series called Once Upon a Time. Uh, and we'll be on this for probably one more week, maybe uh, two, even though next week we'll have commencement and that we'll pick up after that the following weeks. It's what the Bible says. First Samuel chapter four, verse 12. Now a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line. And he came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes torn and dust upon his head. When he came, he told Eli, who was sitting by the gate on, his, on a seat, eagerly watching because his heart was troubled for the ark of God. So the, men, the man came to tell all in the city, and everyone who would hear cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What is this noise and commotion all about? What does it mean? So the man hurriedly came and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old. His eyes were so set that he could no longer see. He was blind. And the man said to Eli, I am the only one who've come from the battle line. Indeed, I escaped the battle today. And he said, how do things go with my children? The one who brought the news replied, Israel has fled before the Philistines. There has been a great slaughter among the people. And your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they are dead. And the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, has been taken. Notice what we're about to see, verse 18. And when he had mentioned about the Ark of God, not his children, when he heard that the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, had been taken, Eli fell off of his seat backwards at the gate. And his neck was broken and he died. For he was old and very heavy. He judged Israel for 40 years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was pregnant. And she was about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was taken. And that her father-in-law had passed away. And her husband had died. She kneeled down and she went into labor for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said, Do not be afraid. You have been given a son. But she didn't even answer or pay them any attention. She named the boy Ichabod, or no glory, because the glory of God had departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been taken, and her father-in-law and her husband were taken. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel. For the ark of God is taken. What she is saying 
is the glory of God, the favor of God, the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. She said, the presence of God has fled our nation. I want to talk to you about broken churches and shattered nations. Broken churches and shattered nations. Father, to the very best of my ability, help me stand behind this sacred lectern that you have called me to stand today and preach your unadulterated word of God that every man, woman, boy, or girl will hear what the word of the Lord saith today. Help us not only to be hearers of this word, but doers thereof. Let this word challenge, chastise, and change us under the presence of an almighty God. And for that we give you the praise, the glory, and honor that is due your name. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let me say as you're seated, I want to say especially thank you to all of our musicians and singers. We have so many people that are sick right now. Between flu, people out with strep throat, people out with sinus infections. These band members, some of them you couldn't see behind the wall of shame that's up here. We put all the bad people behind the wall. They're in prison. They're in jail. They don't listen to me, so I put them in jail. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. But they are coughing and hacking and barking. I told them it sounded like I was... At the SPCA, I've got more animals in the church in there. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if they want me to feed them or tranquilize them. I don't know what they want me to do. But they've got sinus infections and they got medicine and coughing and hacking. But they are so faithful to help this preacher out by coming to church. And I thank them. I want them to know that I appreciate them helping me today. Nursery rhymes. We've all learned them as children. They are forever etched and seared into the interwoven and fabric of our brain. Many of them you could probably quote. I could probably just name one off the top of my head. And you probably could in your head quote it without me saying it. Some of y'all are already yawning. It must going to be a long day at church. My Lord have mercy. I hadn't even got to the second sentence on the page. Man. They won't even let me get past sentence one. (laughs) However, just because we know them doesn't mean we've learned from them. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people that know the Bible. They just haven't learned how to apply it properly. You can know something, but that doesn't mean you know it. I want to give you one today that I think if there was ever a nursery rhyme that Parallel to the story I read to you today. I read to you about a guy who was the priest, the prophet, protector of Israel, Eli. Represented the pastoral authority and leadership of the nation of Israel. And we'll talk a little bit more about him in a few moments. But I read to you that he was a rather stout man. Brother, I'm going to ask you, will you move that for me out of the way just real quick? I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm afraid one of these minutes I'm going to jump over this thing. And it's going to be right in my way when I land. and Because uh, I'm going to preach whether they want to, me to or not today. Because I believe we're at a place right now, the reason the nation is shattered is because the church is broken. The nation wouldn't be shattered if the church fixed their problem first. 
The reality of it is, Eli, I read to you, he was a... Uh, he was old. He, he didn't have good eyesight. Some of y'all probably can relate to that. You know, need bifocals, trifocals, need any focal that you can get, magnifying glasses, whatever you can get. You borrow people. I saw somebody this morning ask to borrow somebody's glasses so they could read the page. How do you know it's the same prescription? What if their eyes are better or worse than yours? They're like looking at it, pulling it up or not. I'm like, do you want us to just read it for you? Borrowing glasses, losing glasses. But the Bible also said that Eli was a heavy man. <laughs> he was fat, y'all. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what that means. There ain't no Greek Hebrew word to describe heavy. I can't give you the Greek and Hebrew word for heavy. It's just simple. He's fat. I don't know how to tell you any other way. He's just a fat man. He was a big old dude. I don't know if he was as big, if he was as big round as he was tall, but he was a heavy man. And I don't, I don't, I guess Samuel, when he was pinning this, or the writers that were telling this story, I, will, I guess they really didn't want us to miss the fact that he was a big dude. Because <laughs> they made sure to say, well, he was blind, but he was a big dude. So if there was a nursery rhyme that I ever thought applied, now I read to you, he got bad news. He is the leader of the nation of Israel, spiritually speaking. He falls out his chair. You've got to be a pretty good-sized dude. To fall off of a wall and break your neck because you're heavy and it kills you that bad. I mean, you have to be a pretty stout man. So I went through my annuals of research. took me a long time to find this one. But I found the great theologian, Mother Goose. Mother Goose was better than Mother Teresa. She was smart. Mother Teresa helped all the people in Calcutta, India. Mother Goose changed the world. Here's what Mother Goose said. She wrote about Eli in this particular nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. Boy, doesn't that sound like Eli? He sat on a wall. He had a great fall. Everybody came around, but they ain't what you're going to do at that point. He's, he's pretty much done for, for that. And so I thought about that, and I thought, Lord, that's kind of how it is with the, the church and the nation. Many of us have sat perched up on the walls of success, the walls of popularity, the walls of prestige, the walls of notoriety, the walls of, of whatever you want to call it, but we were the best. Even the nation of Israel, I mean the nation of America, we've bragged about our military. we bragged about being the greatest nation. And don't get me wrong, I am thankful that I live in the United States of America. But we have perched ourselves high above these walls with our three-piece suits sitting up there like we're indispensable, like we're, uh, you know, impenetrable. We're, we're not going to ever be shattered. We're never going to have anything. But Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. When he felt like he had arrived, he fell. And I will come by to remind us today that I believe the reason the world is in the way it's in right now is because, first of all, the church has gotten haughty in spirit. We've known, we know how to sing the right song to get you to jump. We know how to say the right words to get you to cry. We try to emotionally play on your, your emotional system. We try to pump you up, prime you up, get you to stand up, jump down. We try to give spiritual Zumba classes to say we had church. I'm telling you, spiritual Zumba is not having church. For those of you that don't know, today actually happens to be June the 5th, but it's also Pentecost. 
call Sunday, which means it's, it's day of, it's the amount of time, 50 days after the time of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I can't help who's watching. If you're Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, I, I thank you for turning in. But I am unashamedly going to stand here and declare today I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I'm not ashamed to be Pentecostal. I am not ashamed that there's still a baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. I still have a cross and a flame on top of that church sign. I go, you can be Church of God of Prophecy, Assemblies of God. I don't care what denomination, but if you have a cross and you have a flame, the flame still needs to be burning and the wind still needs to be blowing. Right now in the back of our property, we've got an air conditioning that's out. I told him when I walked in today, I said, isn't that just like God to let the air conditioning go out? But you know what? Just because the air goes out, it reminded me of that old song, The Wind is Blowing Again. Just like the day of Pentecost, the wind is blowing again. I don't care if people used to sit under tents with sawdust and, and no air conditioning, but a breeze that would blow underneath the tent. Can I tell you, if the lights go out within the next five minutes and the air conditioning shuts off in the next five minutes and we seem to be miserable. Yes, I love amenities, but I'm telling you, we got to get back to the basics. We've got to have the wind of the Holy Ghost blowing again. We've got to have the power of God moving in our churches again. We're never going to fix the nation until we get the church fixed because judgment begins at the house of God. See, we have perched ourselves on these walls of success. We have declared and decreed we are the best of the best. But pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. You see, I have had the distinct pleasure of missing a step, a rung on the ladders of life and I've been I've cleaned gutters at my house and miscalculated a step and fell four or five feet down straight on the back. Thankfully, nothing was broken, but I knew it when I hit the ground. See, I've often told people, it is not the fall that messes you up. It's the sudden stop. If they would just let the ground kind of be like a little trampoline and just bounce with me. And Phil, I've been, I have been on trampolines with children at the high wires and velocities. and all. I have jumped higher than this roof. Double bounce and jump high. And I'll land on my back, Brother Tyler, and I'll just spring back up. And I'll just keep jumping. I'll go real high, land on my back, spring back up. Because it gives. But the ground doesn't is not so forgiving. When I hit it, it just goes thud. And the ground goes, now how did that feel? And I'm going, oh. See, the reality of it is we don't like it when we fall. It's not comfortable. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it breaks things. The reason I think God sometimes allows us to fall in life is because He's got to break us sometimes. He's got to let us feel pain sometimes to realize that we can't do nothing without Jesus. I can only do everything I do because of the grace and mercy of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's all I can do it from. You see, I began to think about this story I read not too long ago. I read it many years ago and it brought back remembrance to me. There's a story told of an ancient Persian man whose name was Ali or Ali Hafed. He was a large farmer. He was a very wealthy, large owner of a farm. He had many orchards, grain fields, and gardens. He was a rich man. He was content. Until one day he encountered a guest who had come by his house and told him about these people that were finding diamond fields. 
all over the place. And he said, you know how wealthy you would be if you ever could find a diamond mine? You would be filthy rich. That night when Ali Hafed went to bed, he felt like a poor man because he was not happy with his life. He thought, I want more. Craving that field of diamonds, he sold his farm and went on a search. He traveled the world for many years. Finally, after losing all of his money, heartbroken and defeated, he ended up taking his own life. The man who happened to purchase Ali Hafed's farm one day led one of his animals to a drinking stream, a trough that was man-made, but a stream out in the back side of the property. As his animal was drinking in the brook, he noticed something be reflective in the water. So he pulled his animal back and he saw the light gleaming and glistening off the water. He pulled out this unrefined stone that was very rainbow in color. After he had consulted many people, he had found what has now been called the mind of Glokanda. In fact, it is in India to this day. It is the one of the number one largest producers of the rarest gems, mines, diamonds, rubies, sapphires in the world. Millions of dollars to just be able to buy one of these precious things. Had Ali Hafed remained at home, dug his own garden, he would have discovered that he lived on acres of diamonds instead of experiencing death in a faraway land. See, we always want more, but the more we want, in reality, the less we actually have. See, he searched and he searched. But sometimes the things we're searching for have been right in front of us the whole time. We're just looking for them in the wrong places. We're too discontented to recognize it. People are looking for, for love. So they start sleeping around with everybody in town. People are looking for hope. But they can't seem to find it. So they resort to alcohol or to drugs. Or to other things to fill a void. Because they, they don't know what they're looking for. I can tell you why the, why the nation is shattered. I can tell you what they're looking for. They're missing Jesus. That's what they're missing. They're missing the Lord. That's it. That's what they're missing. Because when He comes in, He satisfies my soul. He gives me contentness in spirit. He lets me, find, he lets me be able to say, no matter what state I find myself, I will find myself therefore to be content. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? I've got a better home awaiting me on the other side. I can be content. They're missing Jesus. They're missing it all. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Eli's story. The first thing I want you to understand is hiding your problem doesn't mean you're healing the problem. Don't miss what I just said. You can try to snow job the preacher, snow job the spouse, snow job the kids. But eventually all you're doing is hurting yourself. You're not getting made whole. You're not healing yourself. You're hurting yourself. Because Eli in this story... I read Eli had been the priest of Israel for over 40 years. He had a pretty impressive resume. And in fact, the number 40 in biblical numerology 
represents a season of testing, trials, and probation. Forty years, the children of Israel in the wilderness. Forty days and nights, uh, Noah on the ark. Uh, Jesus was tempted, tempted 40 days in the wilderness. This number of 40 represents seasons of difficulty, seasons of trial, seasons of adversity. We don't like those seasons. We don't like to go through seasons of pain. We don't like to go through seasons of adversity. We don't like to go through seasons of hurt. We don't like that. It's uncomfortable. But it's in those moments of uncomfortability that God stretches us to new heights and He grows us to deeper depths, of depths and levels of faith with Him. That's, those are the seasons that make us better. They're a refining process, just like the Bible said, that just like a silver and gold has to be refined by the refiner's fire. The Lord sometimes lets us go through fiery trials because He's got to refine us so we come out like pure gold or precious silver. Eli had seen the best of times in Israel. He had seen the worst of times in the nation's history. Some of us remember when gas wasn't $6. (laughs) Well, that's good preaching even if I am Baptist this morning. Some of y'all remember when gas was under a dollar. Don't raise your hand. Because we're going to know you're older. You're a seasoned saint. The longer something seasons, the better it cooks too, just saying. So so you're seasoned. The reality of it is some of you remember when it was way less. Now some of y'all are thinking about buying goats because you don't want to spend money for the gas and the lawnmower because it's too expensive to waste gas. You're buying goats for your yard now. You ain't even doing lawnmowers anymore. Y'all want to go back to the old days where you push it and had those little uh, uh, choppers on it because it didn't require anything because it's too expensive to burn that gas. We've seen the best of times. Successive times, and we are, I'm not saying this is the worst it'll ever get by any stretch, but, but this is certainly not a season of comfortability for many people. I wouldn't say this is a season where we're just blooming and blossoming and life is all great either. See, the reality of it is Eli had seen it all. Think about Eli's resume. He had got to be a part of God calling the future greatest prophet in Israel's history, a little boy by the name of Samuel. That was Eli. Eli got to be a mentor, a, a, if you will, a, 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 a spiritual father and liaison to the portals of glory to rear up the greatest prophet in all of Israel's history. And yet he turned a blind eye to the wickedness of his own children serving in the house of the Lord. What he's really doing, God help me today, I don't want to go here, but I'm going to do it. What Eli was really saying is... I'll overlook sin as long as it benefits me for the moment. See, can I put it to you what it would be like today? It'd be like a pastor allowing people he knows living in sin serving leadership. That's what it would be like. It'd be like knowing someone is living in direct opposition to the word of the Lord, but because they're talented, they're gifted, they're a great communicator. They're this, they're that, and the other. We placed them over a ministry knowing good and well how's God going to bless it because they're not living right. Unfortunately, I hate to tell you this, but there's a lot of churches that operate that way. But we're not going to be one of them. So go ahead and just get over that. The reality of the fact is this. Now, I can't help it if I don't know about it, but once I find out about it, it's game on. I'm ready for you. Because I'm not going to allow, the Bible says, the things God curses no man can undo. And I'm not letting God curse this house. 
reality of it is you can get mad at me, but I'd rather you be mad at me than God be mad at me. See, Eli said, I'm not going to look at the sins of my wicked children because I don't want it to affect what I'm doing over here. But because of that, because of the wickedness of his, son, his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they were skimming the offerings and they were stealing the, the portions of meat they weren't supposed to. They were literally robbing God. They were like siphoning from the offering plate. They were robbing God. You can take a dime out of my pocket, but please, for the love of the Lord, don't take God's money. I'd rather you take me to the cleaners than steal from God because I can't do but so much, but you don't want God on your bad side. And I'm not even talking about tithes and offerings, but if you're not doing that, pray about it. Eli tried to keep it hidden. He tried to hide it. The Philistines had made war with Israel, and ultimately they came in and they took over and stole the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of God, which represented the tangible presence of God. It was the place where they stuck it in the Holy of Holies, and once a year the priest would go in, pour out the blood of the sacrifices on the mercy seat, and the presence of the Lord would just overshadow the tabernacle in that Holy of Holies room, and the Lord would sit down where the two cherubims met together on what was called the mercy seat, and there would be a smoke and a haze and a fog in the room, and the priest would have to basically back himself out to the edge of the door because the glory of the Lord permeated the room. Boy, I wish when you come next Sunday morning you had to stand on the outside of the building because the glory of the Lord was so strong in the building that we had to just worship along the fringes of the building. But the reality of it is we don't see that anymore because we're broken as a nation and we're broken as a church. We've allowed sin to enter into the camp of Christ. People want to know why God's not blessing His church because God can't condone the sin that His church is engaged in. Oh yeah, I know. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. That church across town, they're running 800 people. Yeah, but they might be sending 800 people to hell. Is it worth it? Just because you put church on the sign doesn't mean God's in the building. Ichabod maybe wrote over the door. The glory of the Lord has departed the house. You can put any tag, title. You can even put you're the church of of my God, of the redeemed, the called of Christ. You can have a name longer than anybody can pronounce. But if God's not there, you wasted your breath. And God does not hang out where sin is in the camp. He just doesn't. Sometimes people can get blessed. I've often said the reason some people grow at an alarming rate and their churches are blessed. Now, I'm not saying everybody's like this. So don't say, well, Pastor said everybody that's growing. This said, no. I'm saying some people do it. They're growing because the people don't feel convicted so they don't mind going to that church because they don't have to be responsible for the way they're living. Now, that's good preaching even if you don't want to hear it today. Lots of people will go to church if they don't have to feel convicted by God. Most people don't want to go to church where they're preaching right because they have to be accountable for what they've heard. The reality of it is Eli has hidden his sins. He's hidden his children's sins. But what he has caused is the nation to literally fall apart under his watch. He has literally saw the tangible presence of God. Can I tell you, America has become a modern day Israel. We were called that we put on our quarters, we put on our dimes, we put on our money. A nation under God and yet we are the furthest thing from a nation under God. We're aborting babies. We're taking prayers out of school. We're telling God to mind his business and stay out of our business. Oh, we're not a nation under God. We're a nation telling God to get out of it. Get out of it. But it ain't just the nation. Some churches have done the same thing. We have compromised the gospel, sold out to cultural relevancy, become politically correct, tried to be more diverse, while in the same token, not teaching the biblical mandates of God's word. 
See, there's a trend in the modern church right now. The idea is let's lower our standards as low as possible so that we can make everybody comfortable. We'll do it in our dress. We'll do it in the way we talk. We'll do it in the way we conduct business. I've told you, those of you that have been in this church longer, longer than a year, you've heard me say this before. I hate going out to church with church people to eat dinner. Because I've had too many encounters. When I left a restaurant, I had to go back to a waitress and apologize because they made a, demo- they made a debauchery of what it means to be a child of God because we, we showed her what we don't want Christianity to look like. And she th- in her mind, we left and we went home with our, selfish right- our self-righteous indignation spirit and she left there thinking, I'll never want to go to that church. I've sat in this town and I've heard waitresses talk about it and I've, said, I've been in certain places and I tell them, oh, I'm a pastor and they'll be like, oh, you can just see the aura change in the room because they're like, oh, you're one of them. You didn't get your tea fast enough so you're belligerent. Your food didn't come out as fast as you wanted it so you get nasty. You could be in Africa where you don't have food at all. Be thankful somebody even had food in the cabinet to bring to you. The reality of it is we have changed who we are We've done it in leadership positions. I read somebody this week talked about that. They were talking about we have nations, people standing behind pulpits wearing shorts and T-shirts and ball caps and Air Jordans with, with spinning lights and disco balls. It looks more like a club than a church. And they're telling people this is the way to find Jesus. They tell you to come just as you are. Bring your snacks. Bring your coffee. Bring your donuts. Bring whatever into church and just act like you're just in your lazy boy when you come to church. I'm not here to judge people. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you we have lowered the standards to the point the world doesn't even know where to draw the line either. Can I tell you just because you stand on a stage or behind a sacred lectern doesn't mean that you are okay. You can stand behind a stage. You can hide it. You can fool the people in the church. You can make every area of your public life uh, 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 some kind of hidden thing but that does not mean you're not imperfect that does not mean you're not broken and that doesn't mean God doesn't know what you're doing behind closed doors when no one is watching you might hide it from me but you ain't going to hide it from God you don't believe it, call Jonah and ask him how that worked out for him we have too many pastors, preachers, teachers, evangelists apostles, self-proclaimed whatever covering up sins faking it till they make it trying to live in the privacies of, the un, of, our, of, our, of our own lives, but then come home, unmask who we really are, yell obscenities at our wives, cuss out our children, get mad and angry, but stand behind a sacred lectern on Sunday and tell people this is the way to go to heaven. We are broken. But the next thing I want you to know is just because you're prestigious doesn't mean you won't go through pain. You can sit perched high on a wall all you want to, but that don't mean one day you won't feel pain or you won't fall or you won't experience hurt and heartache. There's been many people, they've lost children, they've lost grandchildren, they've lost spouses, they've lost mothers, they've lost fathers. They didn't ask for it. They didn't want it. They didn't sign up for it. They didn't say, okay, God got nobody else to take this week. Take them instead. But yet they walked through the valley of the shadow of death and they had to go through those pains. But the Bible tells us even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil. When all hell comes against me, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. It doesn't mean that I won't go through heartache. It doesn't mean I won't experience pain. But what it does mean is I don't have to do it alone. Just because I'm prestigious doesn't mean I'm exempt from anything. Because Eli, Eli is sitting at the city gate. The man of the city, the, 
man with the plan, the spiritual leader, the liaison of the nation. And because of his wickedness and his turning a blind eye, no pun intended even though he was blind, but turning a blind eye, he gets a report that his two sons are killed. He was not an exempt from the rest. All the other, what about all the other mamas and daddies whose kids were killed in battle with the 30,000 Philistines? What about all those other 30,000 people that died? What about their mamas and daddies? They didn't ask for little Johnny to get killed either, but they, they died because the presence of God was no longer in the nation. See, your actions sometimes don't only affect you, they affect a lot of people around you. You may sit at the city gate perch looking eagerly by the roadway like Eli, thinking, well, as long as my two little boys come home and it doesn't bother me, then life is great. But there's some mom out there whose son was affected by your decision. There's somebody's daughter who got affected by her son. Yeah, you might can stand up here and say all the little flowery words and things you want to say, but last night when you were at Gilligan's, you turned somebody's son or daughter away from Jesus Christ. Oh, when they saw you sitting there having a mimosa or drinking an alcoholic beverage because you can handle it and you can handle a little bit of drink their son and daughter ended up getting in a car drinking and getting into a car accident and ended up getting drunk and hit killing somebody or themselves because they didn't know they thought they saw the preacher do it so they could do it they saw the preacher say it so they could say it we don't realize that our actions affect other people than ourselves and he gets to the point he hears his sons are dead they're gone that's not what got him broken. The servant said in the presence of God, Pastor, is no longer in our nation. God literally has walked off the property and said, no more, Pastor. And the Bible said Eli's heart in that moment grew weak. And that's when he fell. That's when he succumbed. Now, for many years, the United States of America has changed the very face of their quarters and dimes and different things. Many times, they've changed the design. They've had liberty across the top. They've had different things underneath it. Say United States, they have changed it many times. I'm not here to talk to you about how many times George Washington's head has been flipped inadvertently left or right. That's neither here nor there. But I am here to tell you that if we've ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need Him now. And this year they redesigned. I've got it right here in my hand. You can see it after church. Thank you for the person who brought me this today. I really appreciate this. They, they know who they are. I got a 2022 quarter. I want to show you. I, I found a picture. I want to show you what 2021's quarter looked like and what 2022 looked like. In 2021, George Washington was facing in God we trust. In 2022, he has his back to God. You don't believe it? I have him in my hand. 2022 in my hand. Now, yes, 2019, 2018, there's been other times that his back was turned. But if you go back and look at the years that his back was turned, it also correlates to many things that happened in that year, that quarter. Go back and look it up. Tragedy happened at an alarming rate in the years, every year that his head was turned back from God. You say, Pastor, you're just trying to grasp at straws. You just didn't coincidentally. I'm telling you, anytime you turn your back from God, there's going to be consequences to those decisions. We are brassy enough to say in 2021, COVID's bad, Pastor. We can't come to church. COVID's running rampant. Okay. Oh, Pastor, we can't come to church. We're afraid we're going to get this, that, and the other. Okay. We need the Lord. So we put on our quarter, we needed the Lord. COVID kind of subsiding. 
Things got better. You know what we told the Lord? We got it from here. Thank you. And we turned our back on him again. Y'all want to know what's ramping up again? COVID. Stomach bugs. Flus. Monkey pops. I mean, things happening all over this place. You know why? Because we turned our back on God again. Well, we're all, churches, everybody's calling for the preacher to pray and fast for the nation during 2020 and 2021. But when it all settles down, we don't need you anymore, God. We don't need you. I, I, I'm not making it up. It's in my hand. You can come by and look at it after church. We don't need him anymore, according to our nation. I'm going to tell you right now, if we've ever needed the Lord, we sure do need him now. I don't care what year it is, we need him now. See, prestige doesn't take away your pain. 98 years, young. He lost it all. Fell off backwards and he died. See, the problem in America is too many of our churches are broken and we're trying to apply these quick fixes and temporary fixes. We're trying to put a Band-Aid on compound fractures. We're trying to put Band-Aids on things when it requires surgery. We're trying to put patches where we need transplants. Some things are not fixable unless we give it to God. There is no quick fix. We need the Lord. That's the only person who's going to get it right. I read this little poem that I want to share with you. I am an empty pew. I voted for a world against God. I deny the Bible. I mocked the preach word of God. I railed at Christian fellowship. I laughed during times of prayer. I break the fourth commandment to keep the Sabbath holy. I am a witness to many vows I have made but broken. I advise men to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow they may die. I join my voice with every other atheist, rebel, and human Against divine law. I am an empty pew. I am a grave sitting in the midst of a congregation. Read my epitaph and be wise. Because I'm coming to your church soon. That's about the reality of where we are. Mr. Carol, as you make your way. But I don't want to leave you a broken church. And I don't want to leave you a shattered nation, so I'm going to leave you with this thought. Just because it seems like the glory has been departed doesn't mean God has disregarded who you are. (laughs) Now I feel like I could preach, but I'm ready to eat lunch, so I better stop. Eli's daughter goes into labor when she finds out her husband is dead, her father-in-law is dead. But when she heard the ark of God, the presence of God, she went into travail. She goes into labor. She produces a son. Nicobod. She names her child. God's glory is no longer with his people. In the Bible times, they tried to name children to give them kind of a springboard to success and to call them by names of, 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 of success and to give them that opportunity to make it in life. She named her child. God has left us all. That's pretty brassy to walk around knowing your name means God has nothing to do with us. over she dies the ark of the covenant is still in the philistine camp the pastor the spiritual leader the liaison the preacher's dead the two staff members at church the associates are dead the future pastor's family is dead the whole spiritual 
department in the nation is wiped out in one day. Gone. And God's spirit is still gone from the building, from the nation. It's in another place. It's departed. But you got to go read the rest of the story. The Bible says, when you get to chapter 5 and chapter 6, the Philistines became like the nation of Israel and America. They thought they had arrived too. We have stolen the precious ark of God from Israel. They took it into a temple of their own handmade, man-made temple to a guy by the name of Dagon. Dagon was their, their god. He was a fish god, the head of a fish. They put the presence of God right beside the God of the Philistines. And they leave. They shut the door and they walk out. They come back for Wednesday night Bible study to find Dagon's fell down. You know, that's weird. We didn't even leave the air conditioning on. How did that happen? They set him back up. They go home. They come back for Sunday morning worship. This time, Dagon's fell down, but when he's fallen down, he's fallen down in front of the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, like in a worship position. He's laid down worshiping the Ark. Well, that's even stranger. They pick him up, put him back on the shelf, and think something weird's happening. They put him back in the same spot. The next time they come in, he's fallen down and he's broken into a bunch of pieces. What did I just tell you? Broken churches and shattered nations. He is broken into a bunch of pieces. And they freak out. <laughs> because if God breaks it, they ain't nobody going to fix it. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall and all the king's horses and all the king's men, they couldn't put Dagon back together again. Then they start getting sick. Then they ain't feeling right to the point they say, we got to get rid of this thing. It's cursing us. Because if you put your hand unholy towards the things of God that are holy, it's going to come back cursed. And the reality of it is, they said, you know what? We ain't touching it. <laughs> that thing's got to go back. We, <laughs> we're not messing with this thing anymore. Bible says they returned to sender. Israel didn't even have to go ask, can we get it back? They sent it back, said, look, y'all want this thing bad enough? Please, for the love of God, we will pay the postage. We'll pay the stamp. We'll pay you to take it back. Boy, can I tell you this morning, before you leave this place, just because you may have seen God depart the premise depart your situation or you may feel like God has deserted you I come by to tell you but God has not forgotten you and he has not disregarded you you may have forgotten him you may have not talked to him today you may not have remembered what he's done for you but God knows who you are and God knows where you're at and even if he has to travel to the ends of the earth and make his residency there for a season one day you'll recognize you need him and when you come back say but God I need the glory to come back into the house God will make every step back right where he was before you don't have to go find him God will find you notice what it happens you didn't have to find God God found you God found you <laughs> and he brings it back the same glory of God that had departed <laughs> came back you say, Pastor, I haven't seen the Spirit of the Lord move like it did when I was a kid. The glory of God that might have departed in 1988. It's coming again. 
How do I know? In my last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit in all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions even upon the handmaids and the servants of the Lord. I will pour out my spirit. You'll see signs in the heavens above. The sun, the moon, the stars. The moon will turn blood as red. We have seen what they call the blood moons. All throughout Scripture, the Bible promises us He's going to do it again. Can I tell you, like I said earlier, I still believe that the wind is going to blow again. Just like the day of Pentecost, the wind is blowing again. I'm telling you, we may not have had the services like we we used to have in days gone by. You may not have felt God like you did when you were a child, but can I tell you, just because you feel like we're in an Ichabod season as a nation, or we're in an Ichabod season as a church, does not mean God has forgotten who we are, where we are, and what He still has for His children. Here's what I want to leave you with, and I'm done. Sometimes He's not as far as you think He is. He's a lot closer, just like Ali Hafed. God is right in front of us more often than not if we just would look for Him in the right place. You're not going to find Him in a bottle. You're not going to find Him in a drug. You're not going to find Him in a bar. You're not going to find Him living with some other person, shacking up. You're not going to find Him with breaking up homes, with infidelity. You're not going to find Him there. But He's as close, the Bible says, as the very mention of his name so being a psychologist and a counselor that I am I always like to do case studies so we're going to do one right now you're going to be my lab rats you're going to be my guinea pigs we're going to see how long it takes you to say something for me the Bible says he is as close as the very mention of his name so let me get my watch here so my stopwatch so on the count of three I want you just to say the name Jesus. That's all I want you to say. Nothing else, just Jesus. Okay, here we go. Ready? Three, two, one. It didn't even take one full second for you to say that. That means in less than a second, when you call on his name, he's right where you are. Less than a second. I just proved to you really fast. The Bible says he's as close as the mention of his name. Less than a second. If I can just get Jesus before the devil even has time to process it, God walked in the room. Before the devil even had time to come up with a counterattack, God's already stepped in and said, Now what you want me to do now? It's less than a second. Think about that. Just because you feel like he's departed doesn't mean he's disregarded you. I want to tell you this as we get ready to pray on Pentecost Sunday. I'll tell you how we can fix the shattered nation. Real simple. It is not your politician. <laughs> Sorry. It is not a Republican, a Democrat, a Tea Party, a Green Party, a birthday party, a clown party. I don't care what party they're from. It ain't a person on this side of heaven. It is a person. But it's a person whose kingdom is not of this world. It is a person who needs no introduction. In fact, his resume speaks for itself. Dead people have gotten up and testified he's good. Deaf people have had their ears opened up to tell you they have heard a voice like no other. Blind people have opened up their eyes and said, I have seen the eyes of a man that I cannot begin to describe. 
People who are, who are mute of speech had their tongue loosened to be able to glorify and say, I have come to magnify and glorify. I'll praise Him in the morning. I'll praise Him in the afternoon. I'll praise Him in the firmament of His power. In the evening, they had their tongue loosed so they could praise. I will magnify the Lord. I will exalt His name forever. Oh, come, let us magnify the Lord. Let us exalt His name together. They had their tongue loosed to declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. For His love endures forever. Praise be to the Lord. For His love endures forever. Great is thy faithfulness morning by morning. There's a lot of people who've been able to say how good he was. There's also people who have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. But the shepherd was with them every step of the way. There are people that have walked through health scares and crises. But there was a physician that walked into the room that read the report different than the oncologist read it. Read it different than the cardiologist read it read it different than the pulmonologist read it in fact they got it on a screen and says well you see this spot well this means this and you see that well you know if this is not treated this will happen and that will happen but they, what they didn't realize is there was another doctor that walked in the room that was reading the same report he didn't need them to tell him he already knew what was there <laughs> he wrote the report and I've seen people where it said yeah well you've got about six months because this is bad they're still here. I could bring them to church next Sunday and introduce you to them. I, that was like 12 years ago that they only had six months. So obviously some doctor in the room gave a different diagnosis than the other one because the one doctor said, I won't make it. But some other doctor said, I think I can take it from here. See, I don't have to introduce you to him. I don't have to tell you. He doesn't need an introduction. The only way you're going to fix the nation, the only way you're going to fix the church is by the man, Brother Primo, who said, broken and contrite spirit I will not despise when the vessel is broken I'll pick up the pieces and put it back on a wheel and I'll mold and I'll make it and fashion it with the very loving tender arms and hands and I'll sit there and I will mold you and make you it is the same man who wrote in the holy pages of scripture that I'll give you beauty for ashes I'll give you strength it's the same guy that said to the apostle Paul to write that I am perplexed I am crushed, I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned, and I'm not destroyed. Can I tell you today, if there's ever been somebody in this world that I ever could tell you today, you don't need another good sermon from a preacher who probably is a, not the best eloquent person to preach the word of the Lord. You don't need a good song service sung by Sister Sherry or sung by the people here today, but I can tell you today who you need. There he is. That's all you need today. You don't need me. You don't need a president. You need a savior. You need a king. You need a master. And you need a Lord. So here's what I want us to do. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. On Pentecost Sunday and we're going to be done. You say, Pastor. I noticed that our nation is shattered and I noticed that the church is broken but you can count on me in the middle of my brokenness in the middle of my pain in the middle of my travail whatever it may be you'd say to this pastor pastor you can count on me to be in one of those that will stand in the gap and will ask and pray and diligently seek for the presence of an almighty God to let his spirits wind blow in the house again.
with no one looking around, would you slip your hand up if you're willing to make that agreement with me that you'll help me pray for that? Because I have a five-year-old that I want to know who the Holy Ghost is. I have a beautiful bride that's in this room that I I want the Lord to, along with me and, and along with Micah, to help lead us and guide us to be the best husband and wife and pastor and family that we can be to a world and we I don't want to ever turn somebody away from Jesus I want to point them to Jesus but I know I can't fix the church I can only intercede for the church and pray for her and I know I can't fix the nation but the same person that we say in God we trust if we really would put our trust back in him he'd fix it for if my people shall humble themselves and pray see my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven I'll forgive them their sins and I'll heal the nation I'll heal their land as you stand all over this house let's pray together Heavenly Father I have done my very best from the unction and direction of your Holy Spirit to preach the unadulterated word of God to the people of God today. I'm asking today, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts in a powerful way. When we leave this place, let us leave here today knowing that in God we trust is not a phrase that we just say. It's a, ment- a memento that we live out every day. In God we will trust. In the morning, on Monday morning, when I wake up, in God, I will trust. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Until my time lets me come back next Sunday to preach the word again. In God, I will trust. I will trust in a God that can heal strep throats. I will trust a God that can alleviate COVID. I will trust a God that can help with flu. I will trust a God that can do things that I can't do. I'll trust in a God that never fails. He never lets me down never gives up on me never lets me go fathers before we pray our benedictory prayer I'm praying Lord that you would bless us you would keep us make your face shine upon us be gracious to us and lift up your countenance towards us give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts to your return thank you for what you have done in this house today bless all the folks that are battling Jesus name the people of God said amen before we pray the benedictory prayer can we say our church benediction and proclamation Psalms 19 and 14 you have heard it you know it let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O Lord my strength my redeemer before brother Randy prays the benedictory prayer don't forget VBS starts tonight supper at 6 dinner at 6 every night Monday through Sunday through Thursday 6 to about 645 then VBS will start at 7. If you're coming just for VBS, your kids will meet in here at 7 o'clock, get with their crew leaders. If you are an adult and you're coming to adult, brother Carlsey and sister Carlsey, you're not going to want to miss it. They're teaching our adult class this week. They are going to just blow you away. We're excited that they have volunteered to help us with that. But your adult class will meet in the kitchen after everything's done. We're going to let them clean up and everything and give you that so you still have access to coffee or to water or to anything. 
should you need it and, and let you be there. And I'm working my best as soon as the service is over to get the air fixed for you guys. So if not, you know, we'll go to plan B. But we hope to have that fixed and rectified today. Let me say I love you all of my first-time guests. There should be a connection card in the seat in front of you. If you've never been to this house of worship before, please fill that out for me so I know who you are. Most of you, I do know who you are, uh, and I've met you. So if you, if this is your second time, that means you've been here before, and now this is the second time, please don't fill one out. You belong to us, so come back next Sunday morning. Uh, quit going to other churches and not come back. All right, what's wrong with you people? Uh, because you came back twice. You belong to me now. And I don't like sharing very often. I'm kind of stingy. So tell your other preacher that you're talking to that your other pastor's not happy. So come back next week. But I do love you, and I'm praying for you. God bless you, Brother Randy. Will you pray our benedictory prayer? Kind Heavenly Father, we do.